You're listening to highlights from the One Planet podcast interview with Ron Gonan, the CEO of Closed Loop Partners. And then after that, I got the opportunity to come in and work for the Bloomberg administration's deputy commissioner for sanitation, recycling, and sustainability, where I was responsible for reimagining and rebuilding New York City's recycling programs. We're the ideal example of capitalism, where free markets decide who the winners are and and who the losers are. But in fact, our economic history is one that's very different than that. Our economic history is one, especially in the last 75 years, where certain industries have gained enough political influence to be able to get access to a lot of taxpayer funding and subsidies that most taxpayers were not aware of. And that subsidy system propped up those businesses and provided tremendous profits for the management teams and the shareholders of those companies. But it was done to the detriment of our environment, um, our society, and effectively to the competitiveness of our uh, economy. The best example of that is the fossil fuel industry. So I think the first step is really making sure that American citizens understand uh, how costly waste is and that they are, in fact, uh, paying for it. Exactly. And it's not always us. It's We're paying for it, of course, the cost of it. But then also sometimes we're exporting that waste. And to, for people that really, you know, that's really sad to see those islands of waste. And it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. But even in that situation, we're still paying. If America exports garbage to another country, now that's an environmental disaster for that other country. I think that our concept of GDP, which is something I cover in in, in the book, The Waste Free World, is, is not an economic metric we should be using as the core evaluator of the success of the economy. GDP, while an interesting economic metric, it measures how much we made, how much we sold, what we sold it for. It doesn't measure, did our schools get better? Is our air clean? Is our water drinkable? Are our communities safe? All of those things can actually go be going in the negative direction while GDP is going up. And what government or big bank economists will tell us is that, hey, we had a good year last year. It's like, I, I don't feel that in my own life. And that's, I think, a lot of the disassociation that a lot of people feel in, in the United States and some parts of Europe is they're hearing that the economy is doing well and they see some people getting very rich, but their lives are actually getting worse. And if we don't solve for that by using metrics like clean air, good schools, access to health care, safe communities, if we don't use those as the metrics of a successful economy, I think we're sowing the seeds for a lot of uh, discontent. You know, what aspects of the natural world do you want to preserve for future generations for your children? Well, for me, it was the first part of my life. I uh, grew up in Israel and always went to the beach and just had a great appreciation for the ocean and its beauty and its calmness. And then you started hearing about like plastic in the water and not being clean enough to swim and animals dying because they're getting wrapped up in plastic. And that's probably the first thing that really hit home to me is like, this beach is so beautiful and so amazing. And the ocean is just so wonderful. How, how could we be harming it? And so I, I think 
the natural world is where we come from. You know, we, we, we live in buildings and cities because that's what generates uh, a living for a lot of people. But where we're most comfortable as, as humans is when we're in nature. And, and I think getting children, and this is the hard part about the income gap is, you know, can you get lower income children to have this experience as well? But I think if you can get children involved in discovering and appreciating and interacting with nature, that can change a lot of how they view things later on when they're business people and, or in government and making decisions. I, I think the thing that I discovered most was when you have a concept for a book and you have a good grounding in the history of the topic and a good handle on the innovation and the changes going on, writing a book really forces you to confirm how accurate your view of both the history and the innovation actually is. Because it's one thing to espouse something or to have conversations about something or even to run an investment firm about something. It takes a whole nother level of diligence and research to actually write a book to support it all and to make sure that it's accurate. So I learned a lot about myself and how to put in the research to make sure that what you're talking about can be backed up with, with clear facts. Exactly. Because it's a big concept, people, it's like daunting, waste-free world. Uh, I mean, there's others who like focus on, you know, 100% renewable energy. They actually have a lot of value in the recycling system. So recognize that some plastics have value, some plastics don't. The plastics that do have value, we need to make sure that there's the infrastructure in place to get them collected and get them back into uh, products. And the plastics that don't have value, I think that we need to tell the producers, if you can't invest in building markets for this plastic, then you need to stop using it because otherwise it's just creating an environmental hazard that's too expensive for society. I think all of this gets down to you know, who's going to pay, who is going to pay. If you put a product into the market that's not recyclable or into a market that doesn't have recycling infrastructure, there's a cost to that that somebody has to pay. And I think the sooner we get down to who's going to be responsible for it, the sooner we'll see that nobody wants to raise their hand. What are you hopeful for and how do you work with, you know, the political system in terms of driving that, driving markets and driving change? Well, the first thing we do is try to make sure that there's a fair playing field. So this concept that virgin plastic is going to get a bunch of subsidies, but not recycled plastic. So we try to make sure that at least there's a uh, level playing field when it comes to government interaction. And then if possible, have you know, the government view what companies do for society that's beneficial for society as uh, worthy of getting some advantages in tax credits or, or subsidies. We've been a lot, very successful in a lot of areas. That's not one of them to date. Uh, in a sense, that's okay. I think as an investment firm, you never want to rely on, on government subsidies, but just as a overall statement on society and government's role in society, I think government could do a much better job of supporting businesses and industries that are better aligned with the interest of its of its citizenry. 
And uh, we've seen, uh, you know, really hopeful things like, I mean, even in, you know, Germany is quite uh, progressive. It has been with, you know, their Green Party and everything. But we see recently young people taking the high court and winning the case that climate security is a human right. And do you think that that's something that can happen? And we can see things are happening now in America, which I'm so happy about. But do you think that that, that could happen in America? Yes, not not. It'll be a little bit different than what the European version of that looks like, but I think that there's definitely a, a lot of movement now at the federal level and at the state level and at the local level. It's not going to be everywhere in the United States unless the federal government does it, but I think there's a lot of movement on the policy side that's it's getting closer to what uh, Europe is doing. And you spoke a little bit before about like your mother being a teacher or the important, you know, people who had, you know, influenced you, um, the importance of education about all these issues. What are your thoughts on that? And how can we really incorporate sustainable thinking and education about the circular economy into our very earliest education? Well, to the very earliest education, I think that it has to do with getting out of the classroom and getting into nature and having kids experience and enjoy and appreciate and learn about nature. I think that that's something that's very important and really needs to happen. And then from there, it goes to the careers that are available for people and how they're trained for their careers. If they're trained for their careers with a sense of sustainability worked into that, that's going to be really good. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about the environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.